0: Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Schau, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. As we get started in this episode of our podcast, Christmas is less than a month away. And I think a lot of us were hoping that this Christmas would be a normal Christmas after everything that we've been through in 2020. But as cases of the coronavirus have continued to grow exponentially over the last month or so, it's becoming more and more obvious that this Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas. So right now, a lot of us are wondering if we can really celebrate Christmas if we can't do the things we typically do this time of year. Can we celebrate Christmas if we can't be together with our family and our friends? Can we celebrate Christmas if we're opening up all of our presents on a Zoom call instead of in a living room this year? Can we celebrate Christmas if we can't be together in our sanctuary on Christmas Eve singing Silent Night together? Now, the hard answer to all of those questions right now is we just don't know because we are living through an unprecedented time. But here's what we do know. Even if all of our plans have to change, we can still celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas isn't about how we celebrate. It's about who we celebrate. And over the next few episodes of this podcast, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to remind you that no matter what is happening in this world around us right now, that Christmas isn't canceled because of who we celebrate this time of year. So let's get right into this episode. If you had caught up with me a couple of weeks ago and asked me what I was going to be preaching about for Christmas this year, I wouldn't have had any problem telling you. I mean, I had a whole series of Christmas sermons that were completely planned out. So we were going to spend the next few weeks talking about Clark Griswold as he strung lights up all over his house in an attempt to create the perfect Christmas for his family. And then we were going to check in with Kevin McAllister as he fended off the wet bandits while he waited for his family to come home on Christmas Day. Then we were going to visit with the Grinch and discover that Christmas is about more than just presents. And we were going to wrap up by spending some time with Charlie Brown finding out what the season is really. All about. But over the last 10 days or so, all of those plans went flying out the window. And that's because COVID 19 has begun to exponentially spread across our country and across our community. Since November 1st alone, there have been more than 3 million people who have tested positive for COVID 19 in the United States of America, and more than 50,000 people who have tested positive for COVID 19 in our own state. And if all of those infections weren't bad enough, we have also seen COVID-19 contribute to the deaths of over 25,000 Americans and over 300 Kentuckians so far this month. And epidemiologists are warning us right now that it's only going to get worse over the next few months if we don't start taking the necessary precautions to once again slow the spread of this virus. So, about... 10 days ago, our governor, Andy Bashir, began implementing new restrictions to try to slow the spread of this virus again. And that means that our kids aren't going to be going back to in-person school until January 4th at the earliest. It means that bars and restaurants are once again closed down for indoor dining. It means that the capacity of gatherings, meaning everything from weddings to funerals, has now been limited to 25 people. And it means that we've all been asked to stop gathering with more than one other family and no more than seven other people at a time. So with these new, and let me add here, necessary restrictions being put into place, it's become crystal clear that this Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas. This Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas, and the problem with that series of sermons that I had been planning to preach is that I really, really wanted to treat this Christmas like a normal Christmas. For this Christmas, I was really hoping that our biggest concerns would be about finding the perfect present for everyone on our Christmas list. For this Christmas, I was really hoping that the only thing that we'd have to stress out about was finding out that some of the gifts that we wanted to purchase were backordered on Amazon. For this Christmas, I was really hoping that the only thing that we'd have to worry about when we were planning out our big family gatherings was how we would be able to avoid Aunt Agnes's fruitcake. And the reason why I was hoping that this Christmas would be a normal Christmas is because this year, 2020, has taken a toll on every single one of us, myself included. Just to be completely honest with you right now, This whole pandemic has worn me out. And I'm getting tired of preaching to a camera every single week instead of worshiping with you in person. I'm getting tired of working on plans just to take care of the mundane stuff that we have to do as a church, only to have to go back to the drawing board time and time again because another surge in cases has occurred and our plans need to change. I'm getting tired of only talking with you through phone calls and text messages and emails And I'm really looking forward to a day when we can see each other and shake hands and hug again. And I'm getting really, really tired of missing out on birthday and holiday celebrations with my family, like we've been forced to do since March. So yeah, when I started thinking about this Christmas at Melbourne Heights, I wanted it to be as normal as possible. Now, don't get me wrong here. I've known that some of the normal things that we've done at Melbourne Heights in the past at Christmas weren't going to be possible for us this year. Simply because we sold our old building a few months back, I knew that we weren't going to be able to have a Christmas banquet or a Christmas breakfast or even a Christmas cantata this year. But I figure that at the very least, we'd be able to put up some of our old decorations that we've seen around our building for years, or that we'd be able to have all of our musicians get together to play our favorite Christmas carols, and that we'd be able to to focus in on the sermons about thinking about how we can stay focused on Jesus during this crazy time of year. But as we've already seen in today's service, those things aren't going to happen either. We're taking the governor's restrictions very seriously around our church. So instead of having all of our musicians get together every week to play our favorite holiday tunes for us, we're limiting our capacity in our offices to our music minister and one musician during these recording sessions. And since there are only two of them that we can see in the camera frame, there's no reason to do more than just put up a Christmas tree and none of the other decorations this year. And I've already told you that the sermon series that I had planned on preaching for Christmas this year well, it just wasn't going to work with everything that's happening around us. So over the last week and a half, I've spent a lot of time thinking and praying about what to preach this Christmas. And I've spent a lot of time asking God what message we all need to hear. Because, once again, at this point, the reality should be setting in for us all This Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas at all. And a lot of us are struggling right now to figure out exactly what that means. I mean, can we even celebrate Christmas if we can't get together with our family and with our friends? Can we celebrate Christmas if we're all opening up our presents over Zoom on Christmas morning? Can we celebrate Christmas if we can't have one of Mom's Christmas cookies this year? Can we celebrate Christmas if we can't sing Silent Night in our sanctuary on Christmas Eve? well, The answer to all of these questions is, I don't know. I don't know what it'll be like to try to celebrate Christmas if we can only celebrate with one other family and fewer than seven other people. I don't know what it'll be like to try to celebrate Christmas if we have to do it over a Zoom call this year. I don't know what it'll be like to try to celebrate Christmas without having one of my mom's Christmas cookies at some point during the season. And I don't know what it'll be like to celebrate Christmas without worshiping with you in person on Christmas Eve. But here's what I do know. Even if we can't celebrate Christmas the way that we're used to, Christmas isn't canceled. Even if we have to change all of our plans... Christmas isn't canceled. Even if we can't see any of our family or friends this holiday season, Christmas isn't canceled. And even though I hadn't planned on quoting him for at least a couple of more weeks, I think Dr. Seuss does a really good job of explaining why Christmas will never be canceled in his classic book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, of course, this entire book is about one bad banana with a greasy black peel of a character who invaded the poor, unsuspecting town of Hooville and did everything in his power to ruin their Christmas celebration. So, as Dr. Seuss tells us, he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present. Pop guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorn, and plums. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's feast. He took the Who pudding. He took the roast beast. He cleaned out that icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took their last can of Who hash. But in spite of his best efforts to steal Christmas, when the Whos awoke the next morning on Christmas Day, every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing, without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or the other, it came just the same. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store maybe christmas perhaps means a little bit more and christmas does mean more than just packages or boxes or bags from our stores christmas does mean more than family gatherings and sugar cookies christmas does mean more than special services at our church or meals there and that's because christmas isn't about how we celebrate Christmas is about who we celebrate. Christmas isn't about how we celebrate. Christmas is about who we celebrate. So over the next few weeks, instead of talking about how we can celebrate Christmas this year, I want to talk about who we celebrate at Christmas every year. And there's no better place for us to start talking about who we celebrate at Christmas than at the very beginning of the Christmas story. This story begins in Luke chapter 2. And just as a reminder for you here, the book of Luke is basically a biography of Jesus. So in the book of Luke, we're going to find stories about Jesus' life and his ministry and his miracles, as well as stories about his crucifixion and his resurrection. But right now, we're going to focus in on the story of Jesus' birth. So let's start reading together in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now, I want to stop right here in the story because I told you just a second ago that we were going to be taking a look at the story of Jesus' birth. But when Luke starts writing this story, he doesn't even mention Jesus. Instead, Luke starts by talking about Caesar Augustus and some other guy named Corinius. But have you ever stopped to wonder why Luke begins this story of the birth of Jesus Christ by talking about Caesar Augustus and this guy named Corinius, who the only thing that most of us know about him is that he was the governor of Syria when Jesus was born? I mean doesn't it seem just a little bit strange to start a biography about Jesus by talking about other people? Now, to me, it does. So I've spent a lot of time thinking over the last couple of days about why that is. Why does Luke start his biography of Jesus by talking about Caesar Augustus and Corinthians? Now, if you've ever thought about it, you may have just assumed that all Luke is doing here with this introduction is providing us with a date, or at the very least a year, when Jesus was born. After all, we see other places inside of the Bible where we're told a certain event took place while a certain person was on the throne ruling over Israel. Let me give you just a quick example to show you what I'm talking about here. The book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament. It's it's a book that was written centuries before Jesus was even born. Well, the book of Daniel starts like this. In the third year of the rule of Judas King Jehoiakim. And it continues on from there. But just from that introduction, we know exactly when the story of Daniel takes place. Modern scholars are able to tell us that Jehoiakim was the king of Judah from 609 B.C. to 598 B.C. So if the story of Daniel takes place during his third year as king, then it happened in 606 B.C. So when we hear Luke tell us that the birth of Jesus took place in those days when Caesar Augustus issued a decree, well, it doesn't really sound that different from the way that the book of Daniel started. But here's the thing. Although you have probably never heard of Jehoiakim before, he was a king that the people of Israel would have known something about. So when you said that an event took place while Jehoiakim was king, it would be like us saying, well, this story took place when FDR was president of the United States. Now, I wasn't alive when FDR was president, but I know that his presidency began during the Great Depression and that it ended a month before World War II. So if you were to tell me that a story or that something took place while FDR was president of the United States, I'd have a pretty good idea of what the world was like then. So when the book of Daniel begins by talking about Jehoiakim, everyone, everyone is going to remember that while Jehoiakim was king, Israel was invaded and they were conquered. And that's going to set the whole backdrop for the rest of Daniel's story. And the same thing, the same thing is going to happen when people in the first century hear that the birth of Jesus Christ happened in those days when Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Corinius was the governor of Syria. The people who first heard this story, the people who first heard this story, they would have known something about Caesar Augustus. And the people who first heard this story, they would have known something about Corinius. And all of that, all of that would set the backdrop for the birth of Jesus. So that leads us to an important question. What do we know about Caesar Augustus? And what do we know about Corinius? Let's start by talking about Corinius. Now, like I said earlier on in the sermon, the only thing that most of us know about Quirinius is that he was the governor of Syria around the time that Jesus was born. But when you dig a little bit deeper into his story, you'll learn that while Quirinius was governor of Syria, there was a major rebellion that broke out in Syria as a result of another government census. Because a government census, it wasn't just conducted for tax purposes. These censuses were also used to conscript men into military service. And let's just say that the idea of being forced into military service didn't sit very well with some of the people that were living in Syria at the time. So when people in the first century would have heard the name Corinius, they would have thought about this rebellion, and they would have thought about the violent lengths that Rome went to in order to stop that rebellion. And then you have Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus is the greatest emperor in the history of Rome. He is the man who sat on the throne during the Pax Romana, the golden era of the entire empire. And because things went so well when Augustus ruled over Rome, he was often heralded as the great king of peace, the one ruler who would finally bring an end to violence and warfare throughout the entire empire. But if you know much about Augustus' actual reign then you know we maintain peace at the point of the sword. The truth is that Augustus fought as many wars and ended as many lives as any other ruler in Rome's history. And this is the world. This is the world that Jesus is born into. It wasn't quaint. It wasn't cozy. And that tells us a lot about who Jesus is. I mean, think about it for just a minute here. Jesus is not just the Son of God. Jesus is very God of very God. So Jesus could have come at any place and at any time in history. But Jesus was born in the days when Caesar Augustus ruled over Rome and when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Jesus was born into a world that was filled with violence and warfare and oppression and injustice. Jesus came into a world that was filled with fear and chaos and sorrow and despair. Jesus came into a world that was filled with pain and suffering and stress and anxiety. So why did Jesus come when he did? Well, when Luke tells us that Jesus was born while Augustus ruled over Rome and Quirinius was the governor of Syria, Luke is showing us that Jesus didn't come into a perfect world. Jesus came into the real world. Jesus didn't come into a perfect world. Jesus came into the real world. And sometimes that's easy for us to forget. You see, usually when we think about the Christmas story, we think about kids that are running around in their bathrobe costumes on a stage at church. And those scenes are just so cute and so pristine that it doesn't feel like any of it's real. It feels like the Christmas story is just another story that we tell our kids at this time of year. That Jesus is no more than another character like we see when we're watching Charlie Brown or How the Grinch Stole Christmas. But the way that Luke begins this story, it reminds us that that's not the case. The story of Jesus isn't some cute and pristine story that we tell our kids this time of year. The story of Jesus is the story of a God who loves us so much that he stepped into the real world, our world. So even though Jesus came into this world 2,000 years ago, Jesus can understand what we're going through This Christmas, Jesus knows what it's like to see people that he loved be infected by disease. And he knew what it was like to watch them die. Jesus knew what it was like to be separated from his family and to wonder if he would ever see them again. Jesus knew what it was like when celebrations were canceled and when big dreams just didn't come true. Jesus knows what you're going through Because he's been through it too. Jesus knows what you're going through because he has been through it too. The Son of God, very God of very God, knows what you're going through because he has gone through it too. Now think about that. Think about that for a minute. The God who created this world and everything in it, including you, knows what it's like to be you. He knows the ups, he knows the downs, he knows it all. And that's the God that we get to celebrate at Christmas. That's the God that this season is all about. So yeah, this Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas. But no matter what you're thinking or feeling or going through as you try to wrap your mind around what this season is going to be like this year, God understands. So if you're feeling the toll of this pandemic right now, if you're feeling a little tired and a little run down, if your heart is breaking because you might have to miss out on time with your family or your friends, know that you can turn to Jesus. Because Jesus knows what this world is like and he overcame it. Jesus experienced the despair of this world and he overcame it with hope. Jesus experienced the sorrow of this world, and he overcame it with joy. Jesus experienced the chaos of this world, and he overcame it with peace. Jesus experienced the apathy of this world, and he overcame it with love. So Jesus knows what you're going through, and he can help you overcome it too. So this Christmas may not be a normal Christmas, but we still have something big to celebrate. We get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The the arrival of very God, a very God into this world. We get to celebrate a God who knows what it's like to be one of us. With all the ups, with all the downs, with all the ins, with all the outs, with all the pain, with all the suffering, with all the anxiety, with all the stress. So even though it's not going to be normal this Christmas, Christmas isn't canceled. We still get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So let's celebrate him. And let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we are thankful for this season. Even though we know that Christmas in 2020 is going to be different than any Christmas that we've experienced before. Even though how we celebrate is going to change this year. Who we celebrate isn't. So God, help us to find ways to truly celebrate Jesus this year. Help us celebrate the fact that your son came into this world to experience everything that it means to be human so that there can be nothing that separates us from you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning into this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's episode has reminded you that Christmas isn't about how we celebrate. It's about who we celebrate. And the God that we celebrate this time of year is a God who understands what it's like to be one of us. Now, in our next episode, we're going to continue to talk about the fact that Christmas isn't canceled, and we're going to continue to see who the God is that we celebrate this time of year. So you hope that you'll come back and join us next Sunday afternoon when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And I also want to remind you that you can join us any Sunday morning online as we worship together. We worship at MHBC Lewis. Dot com slash live every Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. Eastern Time and we would love to have you with us. Well, that's it for this week's episode, so I hope that you guys have a great week and that you start finding yourselves in the Christmas spirit even though this Christmas is going to look different. And we'll see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.